joining us. Hi, Flame. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Fandom. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 11. I can't believe we have a whole decade of episodes behind us. Uh, that's not how it works, really. Flame, let me have this. Whatever you need in these times, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, huge thank you to Colonel Rogers for our incredible art. The the puppy, the cat wolf. We're so excited. Oof. Also, big love to the incredible authors we're going to be talking about today. And we'll get to that in a couple seconds. Their fix will clearly be linked in the show notes because they always are. Please give them a read and a kudos. And if you are so inclined, comments. Today, we're going to do things a little differently. We have one big segment to get through. So we've divided it into three parts. Each part is going to be a combination of kink exploration, the plug, and let's talk as we look at creature fic. What gets us excited, what gets us interested, and what gets us horny. We're going to talk about vampires, werewolves, and tentacles. So we've divided up the episode into those three segments. Please be aware that each segment is rated K for kink exploration. So this is one of those times in which we are going to say cock to your grandmother accidentally if you're not careful. So check the Bluetooth speaker, friends. At the end of the app, you'll get community talks, life of an event, your events forecast, and a Steep 20 Games update. So let's get started. For me, I see two big appeals to Creature Fic. One is the fantasy world building aspect, the freedom of exploration there that some people, people that I definitely do not know or like, are super into. And the other is the kinky aspect, primarily the loss of control, be it through bloodlust, transformation, ferality, or bondage and strength. We also can't look at creature fic without talking non-con, fuck or die, and slaves to instincts. I really can't believe you actually said world building without getting. <laughs> that's, that's growth. <laughs> oh, wow. It's nice to know I've had a positive impact. Um, <laughs> I felt a little nauseous, I won't lie. <laughs> not saying, I mean, baby steps. So I think... For, for me, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, yes, there's the fantasy world building and then there's the, the kind of kinky aspect. I think the fantasy world building is actually a little bit more complicated than that for me because it's also just pure escapism. Like when we're talking about world building, that's significantly more of an author word than a reader word. Right. In terms of why you enjoy it. So I don't love creature, I don't love writing creature fit because I love world building it as much as I like reading it, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I'm, because it's not like, I mean, I'm not a huge like fantasy world person, but I definitely love creature fic. So totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. But sociologically, <laughs> nerd, one of the things that we know about vampires and werewolves and um, other immortal creatures in particular is that there is a real comfort that people find in their eternality, that they are not affected by the petty problems of the planet at the time, right. that they are the people that like have been here before, got the t-shirt and they will survive it. And people actually find quite a lot of hope in creatures, in fiction with creatures. And when we see some of the ways, especially that vampires and werewolves, and I would say some of the dragon fic I've read as well, we see that in fandom. I think we really get that. Like part of it is this, like Tony the vampire has seen everything Steve has seen. Right. You know, those kind of things. So I think like that's, that's a real thing for me too. And that would fall into the fantasy world building, but I wanted to bring that out because it's just a little bit different. It gives you a lot of space for reframing of the 
fears and traumas and um, troubles and strifes of the characters that we already like. There's a lot of room to reframe that however you want to. Yeah, in the same way that like Omegaverse lets us reframe gender stuff. It, like, yeah. it's just, it's another tool to kind of do that. Now, in terms of the like kinky aspect, I think we all need to just admit that the loss of control can be really sexy. Yeah. Because one of the reasons we don't want to give up control is that we don't feel safe. Well, innately within this construct, you can give up control and still be safe in a ferality way that doesn't really even transcend into BDSM. Yeah, and it's even like, I mean, some of the unsafety is part of the appeal too. Like there's that same, the similar aspect of like watching horror gives you kind of like a, I mean, not for me because I do not watch scary stuff, but um, there's an appeal to sort of having an explanation for the creepy feeling at the back of your neck like you can kind of just be like oh it's a it's a story you know like there's nothing really scary scary things are, are aren't real you kind of indulge in the fake scary to sort of shuffle off the real scary that looms in the corners of your mind um and I think the loss of control within the safety of the fic both from the perspective of the loss of control of the creature itself and then the loss of control of being overpowered by the creature is that sort of safe exploration of fear. 100%. And I think I mean, we'll talk th- about this a little bit more, especially, I mean, my personal kink really goes more to the werewolf aspect of these things. We'll get into that in a couple mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, real thirsty on Maine in this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, you get that from both of us. <laughs> get that from both of us. Um, the term sexual awakening appears in our notes. So yeah. just <laughs> Possibly more than once. Possibly more than once. Um, but there's a there's a another thing too that like no matter how terrible my life is, this other creature's life has been harder. Yeah, and then they still, you know, if they still get love and a happy ending and hope and and in many of these fics, there's like a soulmate aspect or at least a the right one for me or you are the special one aspect and to be like yes. this person has suffered all these things and they have this like essentially condition and they still have a person that's the person for them. That's very comforting as well. Yeah. And then my kind of last thing when we think about, uh, to bring up what you said at the kind of the last thing is the non-con fuck or die sex, fi- uh, like pollen kind of aspect. of Yeah. There are quite a lot of people who are aroused by the idea of non-con, but for a whole host of reasons, w- do not feel comfortable exploring that arousal. Right. So pure pure non-con fiction would be too, too would be too far for them yeah um and that could be totally like for like this isn't a judgment statement we do definitely judge on this podcast but not in this segment Mm -hmm. and they but they still need to need to explore that they still need to and a creature fic is an incredible kind of either a baby step into that or just a really happy medium of well the non-con is not between two humans that should know consent the consent is removed by a supernatural element. Yeah. And that, I think the sex pollen, like away from creature fic, that's the, that's a, the appeal for a lot of people of the sex pollen non-con as well, or the anything that we could mark dub con where it's like, technically the consent has been removed, but the passion, the desire and the pleasure is still there. And so we can excuse the lack of consent because everybody enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And this is the difference between a rape fantasy fic and a rape fic. 
yeah. um, you know, those kind of lines that for a lot of people, they use art to explore those boundaries, whether it be fan fiction or, or other mediums. And fic is one of the greatest places to explore the, oh, what if? Yeah. Because there are no stakes. Yeah. Um, and so you can just really kind of go with it. So for me, the creature fic, like the slave, like I don't always know what to do with slave fics personally, but some, a, one of the characters being enslaved to a werewolf, that I can read. Yeah. And I mentioned before, a slave to instinct, like this idea that the supernatural quality takes them over so much that they're no longer responsible for their actions, which excuses them to themselves, to the reader, and to the person that they're like potentially attacking, you could say. Um, and it but, still hasn't invalidated their humanity in a way that often that kind of behavior, we as humans are conditioned to believe that that is not human behavior. Yeah, and because we see the parallels, especially for say vampires, we see the bloodlust being the sort of drive where we see consent being hard or they're fighting with, you know, if we, if we see that fight <laughs> happen within them, they know they shouldn't, but then they give in and do. And it's a big part of vampire fix, particularly this idea of having to fight the instinct, having this desire that you can't hold back. And I think that actually leads us right into our first creature section before I go on too much about vampires. So stick around and we're going to dive into a plug about vampire fix. So for our first creature segment i'm making a weird face right now because i don't we don't really even know what we're calling this episode in some way <laughs> because this is kink exploration and the plug and let's talk and a little bit creator corner probably sometimes and it's all gonna flow through and the way we're really breaking it down is by the specific creatures so we recognize that there is love for lots of creatures in just because blade will kill me if i don't say it i'd like to say that there are lovely centaur fix out there. <laughs> There are great dragon fix and lots and lots of things. We're focusing on vampires, werewolves, and tentacles. If we are not focusing on your favorite creature, two things real quick. One, we still love you from the depths of our hearts. And two, it just means it might not be our specific thing, but we would love it if you would come on and talk to us about why you love that thing. You can also send us an email or a stony secret explaining that, and we'll make sure to read it in a future community talks. So this is not meant to be exclusionary in any way, shape, or form, just like nothing on Pot's cast is meant to be exclusionary. These just are the three that we, to be frank, are the most passionate about personally for various reasons we will get into in a little bit. And speaking about personal passion, we're going to start with one of ferrets, which is vampires. Yay. And for this fic, we chose Bite Me Please by Will McKenz for many reasons, including that it's fucking hot. Really quick plot description. Basically, it's like Iron Man 2 to Avengers 1-ish canon, kind of. Tony is dying of palladium poisoning when we first meet him. And Nat and Coulson and Fury are being weird and creepy. He is a vampire and was turned during his captivity in Afghanistan. Yinsen turned him because there was no other way for him to survive. But he still has the arc reactor. Yeah. So I love it. It's one of my one of my favorite things about all of Wilma's various creature fix is her imagination just does me in. I bid on her last year in MTH 
because of that. I, I love seeing what she does. There's so much um, creativity in this one. Oh my gosh. So Tony's dying of palladium poisoning is, is you know, fortunately does not crash his car at Monaco in this particular story, um, but is given this blood that makes him feel unspeakably amazing. Then of course, as soon as like they keep giving it to him, S.H.I.E.L.D. keeps giving it to him. And as long as he does what they want him to do, as soon as he's done that, they take it away from him again. And he's pissed because he's Tony. And also he was just given the greatest blood that has, could ever exist. And of course, friends, we all know it's Steve's blood. Like we all know. It's so obviously wonderfully Steve's blood. So the goes on. There's a bit of a time jump. Steve and Tony meet. They argue and fight and bicker just like they do in Avengers. There's a thing on the helicarrier. But they are both inexplicably drawn to each other. And eventually they mate and fuck. Um, and Steve, and you know, Steve lets Tony, actually begs Tony to drink from him in a very, very, very erotic way. Um, and they live happily ever after the end. So that's the basic setup. Um, and I'm now going to turn it over briefly to Ferret because like, we all have our specific things and this is one of yours. Like vampires is one of your real things. Oh yeah. I'm like that chin hands emoji right now listening to you tell the story again. Um, yeah, I love vampires. I, my like fandom awakening and a dis- distinct portion of my sexual awakening was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It like, it hit me at exactly the right moment. I started watching it when I was like 11, I think. And there'd been a couple seasons out already. And my ma- my mom had them on VHS she'd recorded like she'd recorded them from tv so they were randomly on a whole bunch of different vhs tapes and i was sick one time when my mom was away for a week i think visiting my family and so my dad was working from home because i was sick so i was staying home but i had like no supervision and i took it upon myself to like take all the vhs tapes out and the the little orange duotang my mom had recorded things in and figure out if i could watch like all of the backlog of buffy that we had and I didn't even come close to seeing them all at that point because it was just too hard to find episodes. But, oh my God, it just was like, that was the moment. That was the first time I was a fan of something. And the vampire, like Spike just was everything. He just hit all of my buttons. He was like the kind of sad bad boy. He needed me, but he was also cool. And he was funny and witty and like, just like didn't take things too seriously but he was also naughty and sexual and then like the whole vampire thing like it's so sexualized in Buffy (laughs) and I was like I was watching season five which is the spikiest season and like at one point he gets like tied up and beat up by this by Glory who's like a god and he's just like sad and like her comfort flame this is everything that I need in the world it's just perfect so this this, vampires have just like they just it's part of what built me fascinating so what about kind of if we move if we you know come back up from spike and buffy themselves can we (laughs) i'm sorry i'm okay i'm gonna need you to just because i i can't go there with you okay okay someday Um, you'll watch it with me 
I will watch it with you. I have I have admittedly watched Buffy. I enjoyed it. It didn't grab me the same way it grabbed a whole lot of other people, but I have no ill feelings towards it. You need to watch it with me sitting there staring at you. Oh, that will definitely make me fall in love with it. Right? Awkwardly making sure that I love it because otherwise you won't maybe not love me anymore. I will yeah. not feel that pressure at all. Yeah, perfect. It's a date. Great. Great. I feel that way about West Wing with people. So. Oh yeah, me too. Though. First four seasons of West Wing is like sacrosanct. Mr. Flame and I went to watch two of the episodes right after we got married in the Northern Irish Parliament building. Oh, nice. And it was the the, the first two episodes he had ever watched. Oh my gosh. I was like, I had to like almost like hold my jaw myself to keep myself from staring at him to make sure he was laughing at all the right lines. <laughs> right. It was uh, these cra- the crackpots and these women, which is such a good introduction. Oh, yes. Episode. Um, and then start. let Bartlett be Bartlett. Yes. Oh my God. Great. Two of the best eps to just like watch out oh, of yeah. here. Yeah. Um, sitting in a parliament building. It was so rad. Fantastic. But there anyway, are no vampires in it. Vampire. <laughs> so, but you are not the only person to find vampires erotic. Like this isn't, this isn't, this is not a unusual. I mean, yeah. this is a thing. So, in terms of sociology, like one of the reasons that vampires are erotic is this exchange of fluids and blood and the ferality of a need of blood. Yeah. And this, it. like, the life giving of your own body aspect as well. Yeah. And we tend to, as humans, find sacrifice really sexy. Yeah. I don't always know why, but we kind there, of do. So, there's like a common twist up of redemption and sacrifice in vampire stories where it's mm. like, they have earned that sacrifice from someone by going through a redemption arc and the providing of that life-giving sacrifice and usually this this or often this question of not of the human not knowing if they'll survive the process is like tied up with like that that sense of having earned it oh interesting yeah yeah and i mean like that's that's a story i've seen repeated in a lot of vampire stories but also was repeated several times just in Buffy alone <laughs> yeah yeah I mean in, in this particular story and I think a lot in um so I've read a lot of vampire Tony fix. I haven't read a whole lot of fix where one of the other characters is a vampire and Tony isn't yeah um, I think that's actually rarer I think that he seemed that the vampire seems to be one of the default creatures for him it's interesting because I've only done one vampire if I can recall correctly and Steve was the vampire and it was because he's lived for a long time so I was just like then I don't have to change anything about how old he is <laughs> <laughs> did you have him turn Tony uh well not in any of what's been published so far but I won't say if it's gonna happen in the future oh okay but I will say that for me one of the kinks is the vampire and the human thing I actually have little interest in the human being turned into a vampire yeah I don't find that as fun which might be why people like Tony and Steve, because Steve's already going to maybe live forever with the serum. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there is this, like, fundamental problem with vampire stories and, like, why there was no great ending for the Twilight Saga is is that, like, there there can't be a promise of a happy ending. Yeah. Because either the human has to become a vampire and in many regards give up aspects of their human life they may be attached to or they will die and the vampire will be alone again so i think that like a lot of the appeal in a happy vampire story is ending it early enough that those thoughts don't necessarily come to mind that makes sense and it's also very like gothic and dramatic yeah in and of itself and so fluffy vampire stories are not necessarily something that you find a whole lot 
I think her comfort, and this is probably, you know, like this is another reason why I like it so much is that her comfort is, is one of the predominant uh, feeling tropes that runs through vampire stories. Yeah. And that is your crack. So is, I am, yeah, I could snort that all day. All day. For me, as somebody who enjoys these, but doesn't often seek them out all that often, the thing that I loved the most, the, the small detail that I loved the most was when Tony like feeds on Steve. You get Steve's POV at one point and he talks about, like he essentially said it's the first time he had been lightheaded since 1940, whatever. Mm. And he felt human again for the first time in a really long time. And since one of the things that we play with in Stony so often is that Tony is one of the only people that falls in love with Steve Rogers and not Captain America. Right. That that Steve's mom and Bucky are the only two people that knew the pre-serum kid. Oh, and Peggy. Like in fandom. That Tony was able to invoke pre-serum Steve in this moment. Added to the almost soulmate aspect that Wilma is playing with in this story. Like they are fated for each other. Yeah. That's Whether they were too. before Tony turned is not something she's interested in because she doesn't do a full soulmate trope. But now they have, they have to exist together. Yeah. And we mentioned this in the introduction, this like a lot of creature effects have this like, um, I mean, there's the classic Twilight line, you're my brand of heroine. <laughs> um, and I think that that kind of be it, be it a, be it a soulmate thing or a, this kind of creature forms bonds thing. Like we'll talk in werewolves about bonding and mates. Um, but I see that trope in vampires sometimes too, this idea of a mate or someone you're meant to be with, or just the idea of like vampires have preferences or inclinations and some people just taste the best or smell the best. And that that's like enough to, to draw them in. Yeah. And it touches on this whole like feral, like animalistic, like don't, you don't have to think about it too hard. Like you just feel it. It's just this this need and that's this just super erotic and then of course in this fic it's the idea that tony uses blood as lube yeah yeah I which mean, crosses that line yeah that's right the, over it. the uh the blood play thing i not everybody who likes vampires wants that to go very far but i will also say that i i have seen a fairly common um thing on do not want lists for um events for exchanges and stuff it's it's definitely a relatively common thing to say people to see people put blood play on their do not want thing unless it's vampires. <laughs> yeah, like when I say I don't want blood play, I mostly don't want people cutting each other and playing with each other's blood. Yeah, I would be okay. I'm okay with the blood play that's in this fic if you know. So vampire fic would be fine with me. Yeah, yeah. it's an interesting like it's an interesting distinction point that people can be okay with the very same actual actions in a sense if it's a creature and a human versus if it's just two humans who are indulging in a kink yeah it's fascinating when we change a little thing how many other rules we change there were some specific things i really loved about this fic uh i liked the idea that steve had this concept of vampires being sexy but in like a vague cultural way just sort of like how how we 
like someone not in fandom maybe might view vampires in a general sort of way like oh yeah people find vampires kind of sexy and then he meets tony and is like oh no they're like actually sexy <laughs> like oh no i need him right now yeah yeah and I, <laughs> I loved that idea i loved that a lot of the fic was was very feral and, and animalistic and very leaning into instincts and senses and and that kind of thing but you got these soft moments of feeling from both of them that were shown in different ways so when tony falls uh from the the uh, wormhole and needs to and was woken up by the hulk that all happens the same and there's a line that says and steve was right there above him shielding him from the sun and you realize that because tony wakes up feels the sun and then it's gone and you realize steve has is holding the shield up to protect him from the sun and just taking that moment that we all as Tony's already know and love this very soft moment between them and just adding that little vampire element. I just, I love that kind of thing. I love it. And then you see Tony's softness in what Steve allows him to be. Steve never has a problem with him being a vampire. He's never, it isn't, you know, it's something that, that is part of Tony to him. And so when Tony drinks from him, we get the line, he felt strong enough to be soft all of a sudden. He was confident enough to be kind. He was alive enough to see, to understand what Steve needed now. And he felt powerful enough to provide it. And I love this idea that Tony's insecurities and fears about his own worth and his own capacity and his own ability to hurt people prevents him from being soft and kind and provide. And then when somebody trust him like that and gives him what they need and he's fed strength from the other person that strength comes out as softness and kindness I think that's a beautiful sentiment yeah that really is and it didn't hit me as much when I was reading it as it did when you were just explaining that that is really lovely yeah and I think it, it leans into that vampire thing more too because one of the appeals both from a kinky perspective and just from a narrative perspective with vampires is what I was talking about with Spike this this bad boy who needs me idea. So they're these creatures that are super strong, super um, powerful, have powerful senses. They're capable of overwhelming human very easily. They're they have built-in weapons. You know, you know they're super naturally strong, and yet they have these glaring weaknesses like sun, stakes, <laughs> crosses, and the person that they have feelings for. <laughs> That's the trope that we love to, to dive into is the person who is their weakness. And yeah. uh, to show in this fic that Steve being his weakness is actually what gives him true strength in the end is, that's a lovely way to lean into that trope and that idea. Now we're going to move on to our second creature, which is werewolves. And the fic that we decided to look at for werewolves is called Not a Lone Wolf by Lunatical. It's a Tony Bucky fic, but also a Timid's Family fic. And brief rundown, it starts with Bucky joining the tower well after the rest of the Avengers have been living together for a while. He's rescued by Steve, brought in most of canons pretty much the same was not del delved into with great detail, but you get the sense that most things happen the way we expected them to. 
uh, but everybody in the story is a shifter of some kind or a supernatural being of some kind. Um, so Tony is a vampire and Bucky is a werewolf and he has strong pack needs as a werewolf, but he also feels like he joined in late. He was the winter soldier. He's not comfortable with everything that happened and that he did. And he has a lot of guilt. And he also feels that the team while politely allowing him to live there, neither likes him nor wants him to be part of their team family. So he's excluded and feels like he's sort of hovering on the edge of things. But the flip side of that is that his vamp, his werewolf part of him is very touch starved and lonely and needs that feeling of pack to be happy and satisfied. So he suffers for a while on his own. And then Tony in a moment of sleep deprivation happens to just reach out and touch him. And Bucky reacts so strongly because he needs that so badly that he's very embarrassed and he goes off and hides for a while. And when the, you know, Tony eventually gets it out of him, why he was hiding, the team finds out everyone feels really bad. They were just trying to give Bucky space, not exclude him. But he explains, you know, that he actually wants to be part of their affection. And uh, there's a lot of team cuddling and, and that kind of thing. As time goes on, he and Tony spend more and more time together. And Bucky realizes that Tony is his mate. And in this universe, mate is like a, a special bond that a, a werewolf would feel for a certain person who is their person. Um, he's scared to Tony tell Tony that, but of course, when he does, when Tony finds out, Tony's thrilled. And, uh, and they fuck happily ever after. <laughs> as one does. As one does. So I very famously didn't ever like creature fic before I got into fandom. This is actually the very biggest surprise for my best friend that I call soulmate. What, that I started reading creature fic. Because when I, before I got into fandom and I just got all of my rocks off reading romance novels, I like very famously said I would never review supernatural ones because I wasn't interested in, <laughs> wasn't interested in fur to fur contact. As it were. <laughs> Not something I was particularly into. And now there is a lot of truly excellent supernatural romance novels that now I'm into the, the trope I've gone back and read. There's also a lot of really shitty ones. Yeah. And so I have a feeling I hit a lot of the shitty ones early on, but this isn't either here nor there. So I was really like, oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And then I, I can't even tell you how, but I stumbled upon a Where Bucky fic that I actually cannot find now. I didn't bookmark it and I'm afraid it's deleted. But Tony was Tony and Bucky was not Bucky, but he, like they, essentially like Tony just started feeding this starving dog outside the tower. Okay. And like, turn, which turned out to be Bucky. Right. And it took Bucky nine months to shift in front of Tony that even like knew he was a human and Tony like wigged the fuck out, but then they fell in love and blah, blah, blah. And something hit me in the idea of Bucky as a werewolf. And if I anyone knows that fic, let us know. Oh, please, 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 please. All I remember like strongly in terms of what it could be a sequel to, like how to search it, I should say, is that there is a sequel that involves Lady Sif and Thor. Okay. And I can't find the sequel <laughs> anywhere. So anyway, this left a lasting impression on me and the idea of having, of Tony 
being of Tony Hat like very famously then all of a sudden like in the tabloids having a giant dog and nobody <laughs> knows why and it turns out that the dog is his boyfriend in a way right this sounds it, familiar I think I've read this one is now one of my favorite like mini tropes in fandom like I will I have commissioned that story a couple times right. I will like I will co- I will write it at some point I just love it and the the I'm not entirely sure why Bucky works the best as a werewolf for me I think the grumbly gruffness and yet really soft. I love that werewolves are like the way that fandom like and also popular fiction kind of portrays them is that yes, they're these fierce predator creature, but also if you scratch their belly, they will completely roll over and be your friend forever. Like they are- The best part of wolves and the best part of dogs. (laughs) The best part of wolves and the best part of dogs, like predator mixed with a golden retriever. Like it just all goes together. Mm. And I- and Bucky works for that for me. Yeah, um, he has those he has those facets. And so I love that. I also love just very personally, since we got your sexual awakening via Spike or part of it anyway, um, I have a real size kink. And mm-hmm. so um, I am a physically large person. I'm not a giantess or anything, but um, I am larger than a lot of spaces I'm in. My body is unruly. I jiggle when I walk, like I'm kind of a big person. And my like ultimate fantasy is to be with like something that is larger than me. And so cuddling a puppy is fine. And I joke about it and all that kind of stuff, but like actually like a werewolf like would be bigger than me. Right. And potentially the gentleman who turns in or out of a werewolf would maybe be bigger than me and he would definitely be stronger than me. Right. And so whereas vampires are stronger, maybe we still tend to see them as very lithe moving around that kind of thing whereas vamp whereas werewolves are you know built like brick shit houses yeah and that's kind of what i go for and i think i mean that also just works for bucky because he is thick yeah 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 i can totally i can totally relate to that i love the i love the size kink idea too and this idea of something being so like big and warm and and surrounding like I think that's what a lot of us like about cuddling a dog anyway is just this like you can bury yourselves in them a little bit and so from like a soft emotional perspective a werewolf can provide that and then it also leans into a lot of the same tropes uh we see with vampires though I would say that with werewolves maybe there's more of a we see a little less of the like redeeming the bad boy and a little more of the protected by my werewolf trope yeah i think because the pack element is huge the pack the found mate like it's not a soulmate in the same way like Mm -hmm. the like the sureness of having a pack i mean most of us read avengers fic for found family at least at some point in our fandom journey like Mm -hmm. so for me the pack is a is something i think we all at least kind of like and you see them play you see authors playing with it a lot there's yeah. a great fic that I can't remember the name of right now where like Steve is the leader of the North American pack and Tony is a wizard and a coven or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like that idea of family and pack and all that kind of other stuff um, fits in with us a lot, which I think would imagine is a little bit at some point part of Cap Wolf. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't read all of the Cap Wolf stuff. It's very silly. Like, I don't think there's a lot of story around Cap Wolf. Okay. Like the comics don't really provide a lot of story. It's just like, oh, we're the werewolf kind of thing. Okay. Um, so 
I don't think that supports a lot of it from that perspective, but, and I mean, you know, I may be wrong in which case I'd love to talk about it on the server or if, if you want to tell us more about Capwolf, write in and let us know. Um, but fandom has definitely run with Capwolf as this concept of, you know, as there being a lot more story and a lot more emotion there. I think a common one and, and the fic we read for this fits into it well. Um, something we see in werewolves, uh, in werewolf stories a lot is this idea of like, the human somehow rescues the werewolf and then the werewolf in turn rescues the human, yep. which I think is maybe a less common trajectory for vampires. Usually with vampires, it's more like the vampire is either like a, a bad boy who needs like um, more redemption than rescuing or, or they're like a, like a, a loner sort of in the sense that like, they're not used to having a pack. They're not used to having people. They reject the whole concept of having connections and emotional involvement. Um, how we talked about weakness in the vampire section, they do not want to have that weakness. And that's kind of the fight you see with vampires. When we move into werewolves, they need that. They need that pack. They need people, but they've often been put in situations where they lack that. They've been injured. They're stuck as a wolf. Or in this case, you know, they've been brought into this already family that they don't feel like they can be a part of. Um, and... So we see the journey being one of, of, you know, being accepted on that level. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think in terms of this fic, the author plays with that a little bit and then also plays with some of the other trope, like Bucky has to not Tony to make him his mate. Like there's some of the more kind of traditionally things as well as yeah. a lot of the more emotional stuff um, that I think really ties into what you were saying. Yeah, and we get to see the differences between the different shifters and like what that means for their personalities and how they interact with each other. And this idea that the Avengers are a group of people with these very different fundamental needs and desires that have managed to come together and form a little puzzle where everybody gets what they need. And for Bucky seeing that as an outsider, he's like, this puzzle is full, like there's no room for my piece. So I will just try and satisfy what I need by myself when in actual fact they're always willing to take the puzzle apart and put it back together with other pieces in different places to make it all fit together and that echoes what we what what we don't need a layer of shifters to see as well right like that that is an added feature that reflects how people come together and form these found families anyway yeah and speaking of the other animals the idea that Steve was a chicken before the serum (laughs) is one of the best things. I cackle every time I read it. And then he has transitioned into a griffin. Griffin. Yeah, and that's pretty cute. Nat as a dragon who doesn't like when her horde is like upset. Disrupted, I love yeah, that yeah. humans are her horde. Because of course they are. <laughs> yeah. No, there was little touches in that that were just perfect. For werewolves in general, I think my favorite moment is the moment when either when the dog is revealed to be a werewolf (laughs) or when the the werewolf protects their human like I have such a thing for that protecting like I think much more than size kink for you for them my favorite part of that dynamic is is protectiveness and like I work with dogs and I walk packs of dogs and there have been times when I've had like five very large dogs walking in a, like walking around me as a pack. And there's something so empowering about having big, powerful dogs listen to you and 
trust you and respect you like that, that I could walk in any direction and this whole team of large dogs would follow me. It's very empowering. If anyone needs like a moment to feel good about themselves, I highly recommend it. Then of course they misbehave and it all goes to shit, but that moment is wonderful. And so for me, when I get in a fic with werewolves and they've got this, this wolf that, you know, the hackles go up and the growling starts and no one is going to touch them with that, with that, those teeth behind them. That does a lot for me. Finally, for the werewolf thing for me, I mean, obviously I'm a huge, famously, I am a huge ABO fan. Yeah, me too. And, and there are, as are you. And for, there are, you know, Venn diagrams of between these two groups of, of fix. Yeah. In the terms of the sex, like nodding, I'm pretty sure that ABO gets nodding from werewolf fandom. Yeah, I mean, the whole like... Um alpha beta omega thing was built out of like this concept of traditional wolf pack structures and so like a lot of the relationship stuff and then the actual sex stuff was based on wolves for sure for sure but then so where so then abo takes a left turn into a little bit more like societal building and also then allows for mprag in a way that werewolf doesn't really always or doesn't really focus on or look at um, mm-hmm. I know when I'm reading ABO, I'm always like assuming that a, a rare mpreg may come out of the out of nowhere, whether it's tagged or not. Right. And I would be very surprised if that did that in a werewolf fic. Yeah, that's interesting. But one that is very one thing that kind of connects the both is the idea of mating in a lot of ways and bonding. Yeah. And this kind of permanent feral body level connection with somebody like you are not just emotionally choosing somebody your dna is is bonding with somebody else your body will crave this person and i think it satisfies a soulmate need while also sort of giving the impression of choice because for a lot of them that feeling doesn't click in until they've had at least some interaction with the person yeah so it'll be like this mo it's like it's a it's an expansion of the moment when you meet someone and go oh shoot I like I have some feelings for that person this is that moment which feels like a choice but it also has this deep instinctual layer which makes it impossible to ignore which adds that animalistic ferality that we like so much yeah so it's really soulmate stuff sometimes to me isn't as much fun if people don't really explore the boundaries of it and really play with it Mm. because the choice element is still very important to me for my particular fantasy elements of, of world building and falling in love and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. And so though this kind of, so it's one of the reasons that ABO works for me and it's one of the reasons that werewolf works for me. So it's kind of mesh of a lot of these of elements of the things that I all really like with some of the stuff that doesn't as much work for me. So yeah, if you would ever like to make us happy you could write us abo fix where people are werewolves and vampires <laughs> yeah i mean actually um the way that we rust is writing one of those right now it's called blood will tell and uh yeah bucky's a vampire steve's a werewolf tony's caught in the middle there's a lot of drama and there's a bunch of abo elements and uh yeah it's still a whip but it's super hot so like that's the kind of thing where there's there aren't you can't you don't have to stop at just one put all the things in it (laughs) yeah just keep going just keep Keep throwing it in yeah Yeah. there's no point where it's like oh that's that's too many of my favorite tropes (laughs) yeah (laughs) no I like the blender approach (laughs) yeah make me a delicious smoothie which ties back into our reaction trope off we've been getting every time which is 
both. Let's do both. And I'm sure if it were, uh, if there were five tropes up against each other, it'd be do all five. So yeah, do all five, do werewolves and vampires. I'm down for that. We're a thirsty fandom. The final category today that we are going to talk about is tentacles, which has bred one of my favorite tags of all time, which is contentacles or dubious contentacles. And there are lots of of categories of tentacles in the way that we can talk about it. And what we've chosen is one that is less tentacle kink and a little bit more just an exploration of tentacles. I just think about the times in my, like, did I ever think I would say that sentence out loud in my life? No, no, I did not ever think that I would say that sentence out loud. Some people struggled enough with us just saying like Steve and Tony and shipping out loud at the beginning of the pod. And now it's like dubious consenticles. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is such a delightful rabbit hole. Okay. So we're talking about the uh, very famous in, a, in at least in, t- in stony circles, happy lights by Lady Shadow Drake. The plot is fairly simple as soon as you accept that tentacles are simple. There's a interdimensional portal that opens and all of a sudden this kind of alien-y thing drops that has a lot of tentacles and it, it attaches itself to Steve. And we learn very quickly that it is telepathic and communicates with Steve telepathically. We learn that the alien calls itself the colony we learn that the colony becomes quite attached, not only physically, but emotionally to Steve. Mm-hmm. And they, the one of the ways they explore Steve is sexually, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> and then there's a lot of back and forth with the team and making sure that, <clears throat> like, Steve tells them that the colony is safe. The team doesn't really trust that, which TBQH, neither would I. So I'm not, I don't really shame or judge the team in this one. Um, And there's a lot of negotiations where Steve kind of has the colony understand what human life is like in some ways. Um, And Tony kind of comes into all of this um, through the nerd way. Um, He desperately needs to understand the science and the math of the world they come from and and the colony itself and how it all works and so he lets himself become part of the colony um in a way so it's it is i would not say that i have read a ton of tentacle fic i think you've read a lot more than i have ferret Mm. for me this is the sweetest one i've ever read like (laughs) yeah I mean, I think that's part of why it sticks with people. It stands out because it does have a bit of the tentacle kink aspect, but it's not super sex heavy. And at the end of the day, the, the, it's the rare case where the tentacle creature isn't either malicious or indifferent, but is truly affectionate and it yeah. cares for Steve and wants him to be part of the colony. And it believes that, you know, it it takes convincing that Steve is happy and safe with the Avengers as his colony. Like there's a lot of miscommunication because it can't believe that some something disconnected from a hive mind like that could be happy. So it's just very, it's it's very kind and sweet to Steve. And even though it strips him of his consent in a lot of ways, it's um it's it's very soft. <laughs> and like it strips him of the, his consent for sure, but like when they can tell that he's agitated, they don't like that. 
Yeah, it's very much um, like the sexual exploration of him seeks to find what brings him pleasure, not mm-hmm. just out of pure curiosity for how his body works. And it's interesting that we were just talking about this offline. A lot of the other tentacle f- human fic that I've read, like not, so my favorite tentacle human fic is Saber's title pull. Um, mm. And it's it's probably the only one I've read multiple times. But, and that's, it's beautifully done for a whole lot of ways, in my opinion. But like, that's not just straight porn. Like if you're looking for contentacles and do, or dubious contentacles, there's a lot of other fics out there. Um, and I've certainly read a couple and enjoyed ones that are just Steve getting fucked by tentacles. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the elements of those are that there's kind of a violence to it. That, like you said, the, the alien or the tentacle is indifferent to the human. Yeah, or outright aggressive. Or outright aggressive. Whereas in this one, it really is just try. This is the only way they know how to learn Steve. You get a you, the distinct sense you get from the colony throughout the whole thing is naive curiosity. Yeah, they just don't understand how people work, and they want to. And at times they're scared. And Steve is a, a source of comfort, a connection to this world they've been thrown into. Yeah, so, like, they don't want to be here. This wasn't an invading force. Like, something happened and yeah. trapped in um, in Earth. And I also like how this particular one manages the development of the relationship between Steve and Tony, because it's yeah. not a huge focus of the fic. No. It's sort of subtle and a bit background, but when Tony ends up getting colonized, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it, yeah. <laughs> um... It, its way of exploring Tony is sexual the same way it was with Steve, but they're both expecting that. They're both aware of that. So that removes even more of the like dubcon aspect. It's like a little bit like, well, we wouldn't be having sex if it weren't for this tentacle monster, but you know, why not? Tony knew that's what was going to happen when he got drawn in. They're very affectionate towards each other. They care about each other. So that's, that's very soft too. And I think that, uh, yeah, it can. It shows kind of how what the the range is there, and it does dodge some of the sort of classic tentacle tropes, which we can talk about as well. Yeah, that's actually. I mean, for me, what my next question is, like, this is a really lovely example of in a way that tentacles can be different, but there is tentacles tend to be one of the the crackier tropes, I think, where it's people just go for it when they write tentacle. Yeah, I I find cracky interesting because um, when, when it is taken very, like when, if if it is just straight like tentacle porn or like tentacle rape monster story, I don't find that cracky quite like something like whip crack. It's that's very cracky, but it's crack taken seriously. And it's, it's very wild and uh, very popular and well-written it just it leans in fully but i'd say that's also unusual in like the other direction yeah because the the classic um trope i think is overstimulation that's like a lot of what it comes down to we've got the we've got the the bondage part that leads into the loss of control that we've been talking about with all of these that fundamentally the tentacles are extremely adept at removing any control from the person that they're using 
And fundamentally, a thing that has more than two hands, especially tentacle shapes are particularly uh, perfect for stimulating a human. Um, somebody can be bound with some tentacles, they can be penetrated with tentacles, they can be touched and teased and stroked with tentacles. So it's kind of this absolutely everything in one package sexual experience that I think is the fundamental appeal of tentacle sex at its like basest porn level. Yeah, because if we're going to take like a non-creature kink, it's a little bit like, you know, in some ways like a very excessive and very almost like beautiful rope bondage because a lot of the tentacle fix talk about how the te like Steve or Tony or Bucky or Bruce or whoever we're talking about finds the tentacles attractive in some way. Like they hate that they're drawn to it. They either find it, they find it fascinating in some way. Um yeah, I think the I think that's also uh, an almost necessity of the dubcon genre is okay. this idea that it is in some it is pleasurable, it is desirable even if even if you resist it on one level there is some level at which you're either curious or aroused or interested or desirous in some way. So I think that kind of pairs with Subcon, not just, you know, you see that in like the sex pollen stuff too. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, if I were in my normal state of mind, I wouldn't do this, but I'm overcome and now my baser instincts are being let loose. And apparently my baser instincts are wanting you desperately. You know, that's the like. <laughs> <laughs> my baser instincts are curious about playing with suction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think tentacles leans into that too, but also this idea of like it's bondage it's bondage so good it moves when you move it, it can strengthen and release it can it can like wind up and down you know this is like premium rope bondage you can't get any yeah. better than ropes that have that know, are sentient yeah sentient ropes that's the perfect rope because like the only downside to rope bondage is that it doesn't adjust with you and if it gets like uncomfortable or twisted or pinched or it's not quite right or you can get free or something then it lacks yeah the, loss of control that you're looking for so and then the other side of overstimulation is um those tentacles can go anywhere and they can be Literally. any size or depth or girth or you know vigorousness that you want and uh you get to there's some kink, some kinks that tentacles are really um, good for like sounding, which you don't see a lot of, but is very common in tentacle porn. Yeah, that's and, like a med kink and tentacle porn thing. You know, people equate sounding with med kink a lot, but it's actually not like there's no inherent link between sounding and. No, I'm, I didn't mean that. I meant it's where I see it the most. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I see it very rarely, but. I do read a fair amount of tentacle stuff and I also read tentacle stuff in other fandoms where there's more of it. So like Venom Eddie, it's very, very common. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. yeah. And so that overstimulation, you get a lot of overstimulation, you get a lot of sounding, you get a lot of like every hole filled to its maximum. Yeah. Those are all kinks that sort of come hand in hand with this. Yeah. The, I've read some, uh, I've read some Harry Potter stuff with sounding and it's, it's it's there's been a lot of med kink or creature or shifter stuff but yeah, yeah. not as much in in uh, in marvel that's true 
Yeah, no, it's not a, I mean, there's not a lot of med kink in Marvel, so. No, sadly. When it does come along, there's sometimes sounding. I, I have done that. <laughs> I did yeah. med kink entirely so I could do a lot of sounding because. I yeah, your, your, med, your med kink is essentially a sounding fic with med kink, like med kink <laughs> is just how you got there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I love sounding a lot, so I'm always going to say there isn't enough of it. And it's also a thing where fanfic does it well and real porn does it awfully. <laughs> God, I'd be afraid to even see how real porn don't, would do it. Like, I don't, don't want look. to. Yeah, no. Warning to our listeners, if you read sounding fic and you love it, do not seek it out in real life porn. If you want very, very hardcore BDSM, that's where you'll find it. So it's not done in the over intense, overstimulating, like pleasure cloud way that it's done in fanfic never no it's it's yeah. yeah yeah so please write more also you can get please write more where it's pleasurable <laughs> and not where it's punishment thanks so much yeah well i think what's interesting then is if we take so if we kind of go back to the three hundred thousand foot view for a minute that we started with mm-hmm. so what we what we established is that there's some level of overwhelm whether it's physical emotional romantic that is part of the attraction of creature fic. Yeah. Like that it's a, an outer human experience. So you have that physically when you have like tentacles or blood play or whatever, but you've also got it emotionally with the bonding and everything. And I, I mean, obviously like you see that as well in dragon fic, you see that as well in centaurs, you see that as well in um, a lot of like, I love cat shifter Tony fic. Mm -hmm. Um, and you definitely see that with him and that, like the supernatural kind of elements. And there's some elements of that in like wing fic, I think is an adjacent to creature fic. It's not quite, it doesn't live in it, um, I don't think. But you see some of the elements as well. And so what we're really saying when we're saying creature fic, I think, and why people are into it and why it works so well for not only the two of us, but kind of fandom as a whole, is that it gives us a really lovely way to lean into the fantasy elements that transformative works essentially are while still keeping it grounded a little bit in some of the other more mundane aspects of fic there's a i think it lets us pick it also lets us pick which like when you have an these animalistic parts mixed with human parts it gets it lets us pick what we want from the animalistic part and what we want from the human part at will so we can build the combination of instincts and drives and desires and and cognitive abilities that we want without having to be constrained by either side yeah and so we can have steve and tony um and bucky really out to dinner in like three-piece suits and really like physically human gorgeous and doing romantic things in that way. And then they can come home and shift and do different things. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I mean, the only, I've only written a very, very little shifter fic and most of it has been stuck Oni. Um, and for any number of personal reasons. Um, but I think that kind of line, I mean, when we look at transformative works, what we want to do with them is play with those kind of lines anyway. So it's why I think uh, Creature Fic works so well. And now it's time for Community Talks, where we hear from you. We're going to start with a comment on our last episode. This is from C. 
this is always great and wonderful and awesome and listening to the pod always helps me focus when I'm drawing my fan art. So thank you for that. But I can't get over how Alex's voice sounds like Mary Elizabeth McGlynn's reading love letters to Steve. Oh my God, my two true passions. Hint, search Silent Hill 3 Sun on YouTube and listen to it. If you told me they are the same person, I'd believe you. As usual, thank you for your wonderful work. All right, so we so took we your advice. <laughs> and we're all going to listen to Silent Hill 3 right now and see what everybody thinks. Do you think that this sounds like Alex? In the beginning, people had nothing. Their bodies ached and their hearts held nothing but hatred. They fought endlessly, but death never came. They despaired, stuck in the eternal quagmire. <laughs> I gotta say, it really does sound a lot like her. It really does. And now I want to WhatsApp Alex and ask her just to say the word quagmire to me in her super sexy voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might be needed. She's going to be like, Bethy, what the fuck are you doing? But uh, but yeah, no, you're right. That it that has a definite Alex uh, uh, bend Alex to it. Alex vibe, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a unique tone that they're both going for and nailing. I will say, oh, love it. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you. See, that is lovely and true. <laughs> we also talked a little bit on the in terms of interacting with uh, the lovely Potslandia. We had a quick poll on the server about what creature fix people on the server enjoyed Mm. and we gave a couple options and honestly these are the ones I could remember off the top of my head so this was not like super scientific because we're normally super scientific with these surveys listen I have (laughs) a rep to uphold Um, yeah I had a rep to uphold before this whole thing started too uh, fair so these are the ones I could think of off the top of my head so werewolf, vampire, tentacles, and I included both as aliens and like Octotony. Um, cat shifter, mer people, and then another one I didn't think of. And then we gave people an option to say, creatures are a no for me, Flare it. I'll be giving this episode a pass. And I will say that nobody said they'll be giving the episode a pass. We did hear from several server members that creatures aren't for them. But interestingly, they also wanted to listen. So we'll be really interested to hear what you guys' reaction is to us waffling on for a good chunk about fix you don't read. So um, really, really curious if we bored you or if it was still interesting. Or maybe this is going to be your opportunity to try something new. Yeah, always. Maybe we convinced you to try one of these, which would be great. Um, but across the board, like these were all pretty even. Werewolf won, but not really by much. And then tentacles, then vampires, then cat shifters, then people, But, like, all really, really close. Yeah, it was, like, within six people. So that's a, that's a very narrow spread, especially compared to other spreads we've had. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that people who like creatures tend to sort of like all creatures. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, there was a couple when people got into chat about it that they were like, well, I really like this, but I don't like this. And one of the things they brought up that I hadn't really ever thought about, but I thought was fascinating, and I could be wrong, but I think this was a conversation between Jay and HT, so forgive me, friends, if I am incorrect, but it was like a, um, you know, do you assume in a creature fic that that creature is a shifter, or do you assume that they're always that creature? And so if it's a human creature fic, is the creature sometimes a human too? 
For me, I, th- I would not go in with any assumptions whatsoever. I would expect the story to inform me if they were a shifter or a pure creature of some kind. Yeah, but I found when I was reading that, I was like, huh, when I say I love creature fic, I think what I am saying is I love shifter fic. Huh. I, I for me, shifter is a, is a smaller subcategory of creature fic that I, that I treat separately. That's fair. I don't read like, so, I mean, I hadn't read Happy Lights before this. You brought this into my life for this episode. Yeah. And I don't tend to read like the tentacle fix that I have read are more like title pull where right. it's a, you know, that kind of thing. So this could just be one of those, like, I'm still new in fandom and I need to be exposed. To yeah. Like an exposure thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a, a version. I think it's a, it's an exposure situation. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, thing to explore that like do people think do people conceptualize creature fic and shifter fic as different genres do people think that they're venn diagrams that one's inside the other and uh you know and and interesting things like i think i i would use the word shifter specifically for category fix where you're going to tell me what kind of shifter they are so there's like are you know they could be a cat shifter or they could be like a dragon shifter or a seal shifter or something. Um, and then weirdly, I consider werewolf as kind of a separate category, I guess, because it has like very established concepts and tropes that are attached to werewolves. Whereas shifter for me is a much more open fantasy category where you can do pretty much anything you want in it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was, I mean, speaking of fantasy, like they, a couple people brought up that we didn't even bring into some of those more supernatural like Kelpies and you know, some fairy tale kind of creature, yeah, yeah. elves and things like that. And that's true. Like we didn't, we went really much more animalistic creatures in a way. Yeah. Uh, and we wanted to focus on the kinksploration aspect for this episode, but I'm sure that fantasy is a concept we're going to explain, explore more in further episodes. Yeah. I mean, for instance, just a little inside baseball here. Like I do enjoy reading people Fix. I don't really read them where it's like fishtail sex with a human. We were actually trying to find one, if you know of a fic where a mermaid has sex with a human without changing into a human first. I'm very curious and I would love to read it. Yeah, also we just have some real questions about mechanics. Yeah. So like very legitimately, we're not sure how that would work. So so it wouldn't so mer people maybe didn't fit in our king exploration episode but i can i can happily talk at length about why i'm super into the idea of a man who can breathe underwater so oh, oh yeah oh yeah so there's there's still a lot to a yeah. lot to explore in creatures this was definitely a, a toe in the water yes a a uh, a like i almost just said potpourri that isn't the word i was going for <laughs> like an what the heck flame um just kind of like an appetizer course there for future earth is that Maybe that's what I was going for. It is, it is, oh, as we record this, it is rapidly apl- approaching flame bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you guys, whew. You get, you the get the best of us every time. The loopier I get. I don't even need booze to be loopy. I am 100% just, sober tonight, which I can't say about every single episode we've recorded. That's true. I am 100% sober, but I have had a lot of ice cream and I am very mm, sleepy. So. Yeah. Um... Well, let's finish off Community Talks by soliciting a little bit more talking from the community. We have a question for you. We want you to hit up our Stony Secret 
anonymous submission form, which we will link in the show notes, but you could also send us an ask on Tumblr if you wanted to, or even leave a comment. Um, but we would like to know what's a kink you thought you didn't like or swore you'd never read. And then a specific fan work changed your mind. Maybe it was a piece of art you saw that made you go, Oh, that's interesting. Or is a fic you read because you really liked the author, so you thought you'd give something new a try. Or maybe you just hadn't been exposed to that many kinks and it was the first time you'd ever seen it at all. Uh, if possible, we'd love for you to link us to the fan work if you can find it, or if you can't, maybe describe it a little bit. But we sort of want to hear about those uh, formative kink experiences that you had in fandom. And if you're looking to explore writing them yourself, good news for you is that perhaps our event the Stuccone Summer Stockings would be a place to do that. And so we're going to talk about that event in our next segment. So as we introduced last week, we're doing another little segment in our minis for the next little while called Life of an Event, where we give you a rundown of the behind the scenes process of running an event. And our specific event is Stuccone Summer Stocking. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, but you can check it out. Check us out on Tumblr and AO3. So in the last two weeks since we talked to you guys last, uh, we've opened up signups, which is really exciting. Dun, 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 dun. We're up to 35 prompts, which is awesome. <laughs> I'm really excited by how many people are interested. That's a great turnout for an event like this, especially for its very first time running. And there's still a little time left for people to sign up. So we might see more. That is so great. But yes, this part of the segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about what that's been like and what we're excited about and what we're worried about and what the feedback's been like. So far, we haven't had a lot of questions. There's been a few people sending in asks, but mostly things have been quiet. So I'm hoping that that means that while the instructions seem a little overwhelming when you just read them straight up, if you actually sit down and, and try and fill out the sign up and you have the instructions there with you, it's not as overwhelming as it looks like it is. And my hope is that because we haven't got a lot of questions, I can assume that that was most people's experience. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten a couple direct asks on Discord. Um, and the real point of confusion, and I think this is just a if you've never done a stocking event, this is not something that is easy to quite Intuitive. grasp, um, is the idea that it, everything remains completely anonymous until we reveal. And it's not, and not even anonymous, but also hidden. Like, yeah. you're gonna post your fic on August 1st, maybe, but no one is going to see it at all until September 25th when we reveal everything. And that's, different than like an un, like a bang fic that you submit ahead of time or an exchange fic and that seems to be something that people are having a hard time keep wrapping their brain around and I don't know if that's because we didn't explain it well or because that's just a weird quirk of a stocking yeah I mean you could also you could have a stocking event where that wasn't the case I think that people are used to the I with the idea of an exchange, people are used to, you work on it, you work on it, you work on it, you give your one piece close to the date and shortly thereafter it is revealed. Um, but because the stockings are open to be filled as, as much as people want whenever they want, it's harder to conceptualize that we're just gonna be collecting all of these fix in secret throughout the entire couple of month period. And then at the end, they will all become available. 
Yeah. And somebody asked me why we did it that way. And I said for me I, I, that you and I hadn't really ever discussed why we were doing it. This was just how we always knew we were going to do it. But for me, people get in their heads so quickly about other fix. Um, sometimes one of the beauties of a stocking is that anyone who puts up the stocking is grateful for any filler in it at all. Yeah. But if somebody turns in like something that, you know, you perhaps like if, you know, if I was just a wee little flame and some, and I was trying to fill Ashy's stocking and you put something in, I might be like, Oh, but Sarah did it already. <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't need my fill. Um, and I would 100% believe that. And I, and yet Ashley's on the other end going, I want everything you'll give me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we try, we're trying to keep this as, as even in a way so that none of us get into mind games with ourselves because this, a stocking is one of the ultimate more cake events. Yeah. But it's also like, I mean, it's based on the idea of a Christmas stocking where you come, you know, on Christmas morning, you'd open your stocking and it has lots of presents in it, which you open all at once. Yeah. So there's this idea that it's, it's more fun for someone to give you a big box full of multiple fix than to have fix trickle out at random when you're not expecting it over a couple of months. So that's yeah. part of the idea too. It also means that we get to finish basically with a party where everybody's getting all of their gifts at the same time and we get to reveal them all at the same time, celebrate them all in a big run and, uh, and make it kind of part of the event. And we are going to do the treats on Tumblr at the same time as well. So this is going to be, it's going to be a big thing. It's going to be a whole thing. And I am scrolling through the signups and I'm really excited at all of the names. I don't know. That's, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, this is getting me into a lot of new people, which is really exciting. Which is super fun. I mean, lots and lots of favorites, lots of people I knew were going to sign up because they're also as into these three idiots as we are. Um, but some really new faces and I'm really excited. Yeah, it's nice to find some way, new ways to connect with Stoney fandom specifically because you and I both spend a lot of time in Stoney and I really like meeting people. So that's awesome. Yes, true. And I love, I just love that people that love this fandom. The late reveal question also came into play when we got another ask recently about if the fix could also be used for other events like bingos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to talk about this because we have differing opinions. Yeah. And um, this was a case where we made a decision based on what we thought was best for the event and kind of a compromise versus, you know, us both having very strong feelings about something and therefore doing it that way. Yeah. Um, so personally, I, I have a personal thing where I do not like when gift fix that were made expressly as a gift or gift fan works of any kind. Um, are used for other things. It's just something I don't do. If I make a gift for someone that's in an exchange or um, a stocking thing like this or something like that, for me, it has to be made entirely for that person. And if I have another event pulling the strings at all, then it doesn't feel like I made it for that person. So I, have I don't thing- feel that way at all. Yeah. And I know, I know very few people feel the way that I do. Most people, it does not bother them. Um, and that's totally fine. I can totally understand how it wouldn't be. I don't know how I developed that thing, but it's a thing that I have. Um, so my preference is always not to use gifts for other things. But the official stance of the event is that as long as people have in good faith made the thing as a gift for that person, if it also happens to fill other requirements for other events, they're welcome to do that if the other event allows it. 
But I think the thing that will most prevent people from being able to do that is the fact that, as we said, you're not going to be posting it to be revealed to the public until September, and it's not going to be revealed who wrote it until October. So it's a ways away, and you won't be able to put in the identifying information in it when it first gets posted. This can be kind of a conflicty thing with the way most bingos are run. Yeah, really what we've come down on is, if we're completely honest, we don't recommend it. Um, it might be hinky administration wise. Yeah. Like you're going to stress us out. We're going to stress you out. We're going to stress your other bingo people out. Like just by the nature of a stocking, it's just a little bit more challenging. Now, if this is for like, I know we're both in Starbucks, right? You're in Starbucks too. Yeah. That deadline's like new year's Eve. So if yeah. you want to write for that and then not just do any of the admin until November, mazel tov, we're, we're okay with that. Yeah. But if as this long is as the for, event is fine yeah. with it, we're okay with it. We're okay with it. But if you've gotten a, a bingo that wants you to post in September, we in the beginning of September, we, we are not your event to cross post with. Yeah. Um, and that also kind of the, the stressing about people doing things, um, this conversation also led us to think about something more critically than we'd really given it enough thought before. Maybe like this was something that we'd thought of, but we hadn't really dug into it enough before. And this is the idea that with having sign with having everything contained to AO3, the way that prompt memes work on AO3, you can't actually directly contact people through their AO3 email. So if you run a challenge collection that's an exchange, then you have options for being able to contact people to tell them, for instance, that they did something wrong in their sign up or something like that. But we had two problems with that. We couldn't ask people to make their email address part of their signup because the signup is completely public. There's no like secret area where people could just tell us what their email address is. And a lot of people don't want that shared publicly. And um, there's no direct way through AO3 to get in touch with people. There's no PM system and there's no like email button where you don't get to see the address, but you still get to email them. So it is possible that people will sign up and it will be, and they'll do something wrong in their sign up, they'll have an issue that needs to be resolved and we will have struggle to contact them. And we did try to mitigate that a little bit by saying in our instructions, hey, we're not going to be able to contact you unless you give us more contact information. There's a section on the form you can put like put your Tumblr, your Twitter, your Discord, your email, whatever you do, not mind sharing publicly. And then we'll be able to dig up a way to get in touch with you. But if you don't, we'll have to delete it if you're sign up doesn't fit the requirements but it made us realize that when fills come around we're going to have the same problem all we're going to have is the fill itself we won't have any contact information for people and the problem with that is that people there's a, a real tragedy if somebody does a fill and they've got a very small thing that prevents us from being able to accept it like they accidentally put identifying information in the author's notes, which is very easily fixed, or they forgot a major tag, or maybe they tagged something wrong, or, you know, something like that, that means we can't put it in someone's stocking. And if we could just get in touch with them, we could say, hey, you just, you know, you tagged this with the wrong relationship, or you, get, you gave this to the wrong claim, like you clicked the wrong person's name when you claimed this, um, or you can't put your beta's name in the author's notes just yet. We want to be able to get in touch and say that so people can fix it, very easy fix, and they'll be able to have their piece accepted. It would be a shame for someone to put all that work in and then something little like that 
held them back. So we talked about it. You know, how do we get contact information from people in a safe way? How do blah, blah, blah. And what we're currently thinking about right now is that we'll have a form in the instructions that we encourage people to use where they can tell us what their AO3 name is, what their, and then how they would like us to get in touch with them. And we're going to ask everybody that does a fill to fill that out just once so that we have some way of getting in touch with at least most people. And hopefully that'll mitigate some of that potential disaster. Yeah, because as of right now, everybody who has signed up for a stocking has added their socials, which is great. Awesome. Um, and we're incredibly grateful. And if you are one of those people, yay, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> stars. But one of the also beautiful things about a stocking instead of an exchange is that if you're not somebody who felt like signing up for a stocking, but you want to fill everybody's, then that's part of this. So I think the sheet is going to be great. We know it might seem really onerous or... Um, a little clunky <laughs> clunky or like big brothery but honestly it's because it's because we've all we all make those mistakes I've submitted things to a secret uh, exchange and put my username right on it like yeah slip it's really simple to do I've um, run like like maybe six events where people had to be anonymous and I've never had one where nobody needed to be told oops you, you just can't do that or could you just fix this one thing to make their piece work and especially in an event like this where it is, it is about a triad and there are not a whole lot of events that are about triads. Um, we're aware too that there may need to be some conversations about, well, this person's ask was specifically to end in Stuccone, Um, and you're, and the work that you've done is beautiful, but we're not entirely sure it did. So could you add another paragraph or another line? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there may be some, and for additionally, this may also be some people's first event. If Stuccone is their primary ship and there hasn't been a lot of Stuccone events for them to participate in, this might be the first time they've done something like this at all. So just the logistics of it, we may need to guide some people through it. Which we want to do. And we, do. we, we want, we are trying to make this not like no barrier to entry, because if something is no barrier to entry, it never works well. You need boundaries and rules of any event to make things work. Um, but we do want to make it not onerous. And which is why we're as mods willing to put in the work and want to put in the work to guide people through it. Which is another reason why we're having these conversations with you guys. <laughs> yeah. So you can hear how intentional we're being about all of this. And so that if you have an interest in running an event yourself, you can see some of the conversations that might have to happen behind the scenes. So we have one more week for signups. So next time we talk to you guys, we'll have closed signups and we'll have reviewed all the signups to make sure that everything is ship shape and ready to go for fills as well. So that process will be something that we talk about next time on Life Event. Hi, fandom. This is Only More Love, back once again to share what's happening challenge-wise in a Marvel fandom near you. As usual, I have a little note before I start with the current events. You'll be able to find everything I mention in this forecast linked and explained in the show notes of each episode over on podonthesuit.com. There's lots of fun stuff coming up, so let's talk about some of it. Marvel fans for BLM ended last weekend, so it's now time for bidders and creators to contact each other and for all bystanders to get their popcorn ready for all the marvelous creations that will drop from now until January 31st. The tiny reverse bang submission period has ended, 
It's now time for writers to get their heads into the game and prepare to create fix for the gorgeous pieces that were submitted. There are about three weeks left to join the illustrious war between fluff and angst for the Steve Tony games. More info is available on the community's Dreamwith page, their Tumblr, or even on Discord, as a fair number of us are participating. Three days left to sign up for the new round of the MCU Kink Bingo, which closes on July 21st. Cards will go out on August 1st, and the round will go on until January 30th. Flareitz brought us a new event, the Stacconi Summer Stockings. From July 11th through 25th, create your stocking by writing up your likes and desires. Fluff fix, kid fix, angst, AUs, A slash B slash O, whatever you want, as well as what you do not want. Stocking stuffing will then go on from July 25th through September 25th. Creators stuffing stockings will remain anonymous until the end of the event. And for non-AO3 treats, there will be a week dedicated on the event's Tumblr. Also continuing are sign-ups for the second round of the Iron Husband's Bingo. Cards are going out already, and this round will run until January 31st, so there's plenty of time to give our MIT boyfriends all the love. Today is the first day of posting for Steggy Week. It will go on until July 26th, has no minimum requirements, and is open to any type of fan work the prompts inspire you to make. The Stucky Bingo signups remain open until August 31st. The round itself will go on until May 31st, 2021, with master posts expected June 6th, 2021, for a whole year of Stucky creations. Signups for the Ladies of Marvel Bingo are still going on and will stay open until July 31st, with cards going out on August 5th. This round of the Cap IM Bingo ends July 31st. Time to get your last fan works in or to prepare for a new round. The Sun and Storm in Every Blossoming Comment Fest for Black MCU Characters on Dreamwith, the Cap IM Comment Bingo. Cap I Am Kink Meme, and Lights on Park Avenue, as well as the Starker Festival's Starker Summer Bingo, are still open for participant signups and or contributions, and the links to all of these are still in our show notes of the past episodes. The Cap I Am Big Bang Discord chats are also happening on the same rotation of two weeks. That's it for today's events forecast. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next episode. Until then, be well and happy shipping. Hello, fandom. This is Kat, and I'm here to update you once again on the ongoing Steve Tony games. Another two weeks have passed and a lot has happened. There are three weeks left to go for the games. Before I continue, here's a quick reminder of how the games work. Both teams share a bingo card and create works for the prompts. Creating for prompts that are marked as typically belonging to the other team earns you double points. There are also several bonus prompts you can include to maximize points. And best of all, you don't need to sign up and can create for both teams if you want. 
We also just started the comment bingo part of the Steve Tony games, so even if you don't create fan works you can earn points for your fills. Simply comment on works of the team of your choice that form a bingo and claim the points. You can find a link to the comment bingo rules in the show notes of this episode. I am recording this on Friday and the current scores are 1677 to 1434 for Team Fluff. If you want to see the current score more often than our once a week scoreboard posts, you can join our Discord or check out the official Phil spreadsheet, which comes with links to all the wonderful creations you've made. There have been 44 fills since we last talked, putting us at 208 fills in total at the moment. Right now, Team Angst has 15 bingos and 2 blackouts, while Team Fluff is ahead with 18 bingos and 3 blackouts. The number of universes works have been created for has also risen. Team Fluff currently has works in 40 canon non-main universes, and Team Angst has 31. This means that Team Fluff is very close to the 50 universe achievement, and both teams have managed the 25 universe bonus. Both teams have completed all fanwork type bonus prompts and thus have also achieved all bonus extra prompts, leaving the only team achievement missing for both teams the 50 different universes. If you're not sure if the fanwork type you like to do is accepted, don't hesitate to reach out to us mods. We love learning about new things. We'd also like to remind you that your creations don't have to be in English. For playlists and figs, non-English works even get a bonus. Since last time, one Russian fic translation has been submitted. Finally, we would like to give another round of shoutouts to the people that created fills for the maximum number of points. Jabby created two and Be the Flame three fics worth 14 points for Team Fluff. Team Angst has had the first 14 point fill and added by Festive Ferret and Hopeless. Congratulations! This is it from me for now. We'll be back next episode with more Steve Tony Games updates. Until then, happy creating! And that is a wrap on episode 11. We want to thank Colonel Rogers for the art and for Lunatical, Will McKins, Lady Shadow Drake for the fix that we featured today. Thanks so much for letting us use them, even though you didn't know we were doing it. <laughs> but thank you overall for not only this work that you created, but for all the works you've all created for fandom. Big love to the Potscast staff for all that they do and to all of you for listening and participating and being so incredibly perpetually kind for us on this. As we say every episode, we love your feedback. This is your fandom podcast and we want to make it the best it can be for you. Don't forget about our special stony secret question this week about kinks. Send those in and let us know what you think. So hit us up on Discord where you all know we both are constantly via email through any of the other socials and then we will see you for episode 12. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us.